Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today we are going to do something a little bit different and um, we are going to talk about something that I'm really excited about in, in two ways. One is the topic itself, which if you were seeing this on video, you are seeing which is the newly opened National Museum for Peace and Justice, which opened about a month ago. And it's the nation's first memorial dedicated to the legacy of slavery and lynching and Jim Crow. And it's a very significant new uh, piece of the cultural landscape in the United States. And I'm also excited to talk about this because I am here with my guest, Curtis Michelson, who is a listener to the Daily Evolver and who wrote me. So if we're talking to a listener and he's bringing me this whole story and he's been a supporter and a part of this has been his whole life's work and passion. And so welcome, Curtis Michelson. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure, honor, truly. Yay. So <laughs> you're in Orlando right now. Yes, I am. And you have been, um, why don't you just give us an overview of how you, the, the picture we saw, saw, by the way, which is beautiful, you yeah. took. Mm -hmm. And you were there at the opening. Yeah. And you have been supporting this and part of this. So give us a little bit of an overview of how that all. Um, yeah. or, how, or how I got there. Yeah. A little bit of a journey towards that point, right? Yes. Yeah, it really, that moment uh, kind of crystallizes. And that's that's a really powerful image uh, for me of a, a journey I've been on for a couple decades. Um, and, and maybe my whole life. I, I was born in Miami to two parents of the civil rights movement. They opened the first uh, integrated church in Miami. So I, I'm, I'm named after the black preacher, in fact, Reverend Dr. Curtis McDowell. So uh, my earliest memories of race and culture and everything were in a black church. It was integrated because we were the one white family, right? So <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> we integrated the church. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm raised by it, you know, that way. Um, like a lot of kids growing up in Miami or any part of the United States, uh, went through integrated high school experiences, but they were you know, at moments rough. And, and we, we, there were, we were past, this is the seventies past the kind of outright fights and riots that were going on, but we were kind of a peaceful, more or less coexistence. And it went on and kind of moved into other careers. But along the way, I realized that um, this work never left me. And one, one bit of political awakening for me was living in Nicaragua for a couple months, just a couple months out of college. And then coming back and realizing there's just something that we as a country don't see and that's the footprint we have outside the world. But there's another thing we don't see, which is the footprint we've had here internally on people. There's just so much we don't see. And that's just been the theme over and over. And, and so a lot of my work and change work and professionally is just helping organizations or individuals or groups pull back these curtains and look at things that we haven't wanted to look at. So what that monument does in a really profound way is invite us as a country to look at this thing slavery and its aftermath yeah. Yeah. over these years and just well, yeah and you know and me too you know i mean i i knew about slavery of course yeah. and but you know what i didn't really fully get my arms around at all was the, this the jim crow the lynchings mm -hmm. that between the i think 1880 or something and 1950 yeah. uh this 
project, and it, it's the Equal Justice Initiative who put this Correct. on, right? right. Um, they have documented 4,400 lynchings yes. in 800 counties, and they think that that's a fraction. Right. Yes. Uh, and um, and that, that that was a, you know, sustained, you know, we would call that a terror campaign. Correct. Right now. Because really each accurate. of these, the, these were public, these were off, often extra legal or just, you know, sham legal. Yeah. And, uh, and they were meant to send a signal of, yeah. of uh, you know, oppression. Yeah. And, and so um, that's, that's the, the scope of that is new to me. Mm-hmm. And the museum really transmits that yes. with these hanging pillars. Yes. Good yes. Lord. There's, there's two components here. The museum is actually uh, a separate building. What you, what you saw and what you showed, showed at the beginning is the memorial. So that's the, the field, the, the whole architecture you walk through. There's a separate museum. Yeah, this is the, this is the memorial. Um, no accident the pillars here are hanging. And maybe to give a little context, each pillar uh, at the top is a county in mostly the southern United States. And underneath the county name, it says the names of those who were lynched, right? So it's inviting us to personalize this. Um, maybe I can just describe the experience of walking. Yeah, please. Um, so picture um, both whites, blacks, young, old students, uh, um, seniors walking through this, entering. And when you first enter the space, the markers, those columns are at eye level, it's just sort of at your level. And as you walk into it, into the interior, they get higher and higher till eventually you're halfway around and they're above you like this, yes. And you're, you just pause at each one. It's, it's, if you've ever been to something like a Holocaust memorial, you know what this experience feels like. If you haven't, you, um, the range of emotions, anger is certainly in there. Um, sadness, there was spontaneous crying. There were people who were finding their own family names. So I remember an um, elderly black woman being wheeled in in a wheelchair to a drawn to a very particular marker. She touched the, 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 the icon, found the family name, and they started singing. You know, they were singing spirituals, and we all just formed around them for a while. These things just happen in this space. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, you're not removed. You were put inside. This is the interior, you know, and this is really looking at the shadow of our country, the Mm -hmm. shadow of, of, you know, this is shadow material that our history books glossed over. We might've seen a line in the history books about lynchings, you know, but you, you echoed exactly how I felt when I entered this work 15, 20 years ago and started a little project in Orlando, looking at what happened here. Why didn't they tell me about this? It's like picking up Howard Zinn's book, you know, the history the people's history of the United States. It's those sort of material that make you realize there's just so many more layers that we weren't exposed to. So you go through this, and by the time you're halfway around this um, 360 degrees, you just need to sit. There's some benches at that moment, and I sat down. I remember next to a a white woman. We didn't say anything, but we just kind of reached, and I said, I just need to hold your hand. And she said, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just silently watching, taking it all in. Um, then I found the county where I'm from, Orange County, Florida, another layer, right? Cause now this would be like, what would be the parallel if you're a uh, German going through, um, you know, your hometown of Germany and you come, come across one of those things they call a Stolpersteine, uh, Gunther Dinmig, the artist in Germany did a project where everywhere a Jewish family lived, 
he put their name in stone, but in brass in front of the doorway of the house, right? It's like coming across it in your own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So to find Orange County, Florida, to see those names, um, you know, and knowing what it means. And, and, and what they've set up here is, is really a series of projects. Every one of those columns represent a future project for each county to get involved in. Right. Okay, yeah. that's how and, long. And, 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 and looking into the history of their own county yeah, and so, adding names as that. Yeah, so it yeah. becomes an ongoing right. yeah, revelation. So memorial is just, it's like the clearinghouse. It's the center. But uh, to go back to that image you showed at the beginning, the outside is all of those, um, you see those things laying, maybe you can pull the image back up, but it's where they're laying down sideways, almost like tombs, caskets. Those are the duplicate columns. So Orange County, there is one of those out there too. Our county gets to bring that home at some point, but not yet. See, there is work we must do. So our task force, our Orange County EGI task force, yeah, there you go. So those that are lying in repose there are duplicates of the columns inside. Oh, interesting. And and this was by design. So the architectural vision here is, is this is interactive over a very long time span. So picture 10, 20, 30 years down the track. As counties do the work, they claim those and bring them home. Yeah. So eventually when that field is clear, we're clear. Yeah. We have done the work, right? That's what it means. Yeah. 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 And when you originally contacted me, one of the things that you were most enthusiastic about, and, uh, and because you, you, you have an integral view of this, mm -hmm. and, and, um, and I'd like to unpack that. Mm -hmm. uh, but but the, the thing that struck me was that you know, the emphasis on reconciliation, yeah. not punishment, Right. Um, and uh, that th this is designed to move the ball forward. Right. Right. And um, so uh, address that. And actually, if you want to, you yeah. also suggested that one of the things that you could put this help put this in context with is the lovely wedding that we experienced last weekend between Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to start with the global context, but yeah. feel free. Yeah, well, that is a neat place to start. Why not? Um, that, that was integrated, literally, um, right? Um, <laughs> there were so many interesting contrasts there. Uh, and one of, one of the things that struck me was um, the African-American preacher uh, bringing the power of love, the transforming power of love. And he used the S word, slavery, right? He brought in slave narratives. He talked about the, the, the way the, the the belief that love would prevail, right? It wasn't about vengeance. There was a longer game being played, a mm -hmm. much longer, bigger game. And uh, and as he just kept going, I, you look at the, the pans to the audience in the royal family, and there was a little bit of, it can, you could almost detect a bit of squirming. Because, uh, I mean, England is no stranger to imperialism, right? And they're part in slavery, and they're part in chopping up the Middle East and Africa to bite-sized colonial proportions, right, for extracting resources. And so there's, he was hitting very deeply that same chord that we hit when we do this work here. Um, but when you add the redeeming power of love to it and say there is a larger game being played, we would call it as integralist, the evolutionary story. There's something bigger playing out here. Um, that changes the character of it. Yeah, here's, 
you know, how I tried to, you know, think about it is, you know, the hair, as, as integralists, we want to do two things in a way. We want to uh, be able to relate to the particulars of any story and anybody's story, including right. our own. And we also want to have a, a cosmocentric view where we can see this planet and, yeah. these, and us people and the heritage of our history and our karma and how rotten we've been to each other in you know <laughs> right. so many ways uh, throughout history just the yeah. catastrophe uh, the evolving catastrophe of, of all yeah. that right and you know and and in that the, these this karma has yeah. shape yeah and it resonates right and you know so again, we move then from that sort of just general understanding. We all have that. It's resonating in all of us. The particular American story. Right. You know, and how that karma moves from generation to generation on both sides of the street, white, oh, black. Absolutely. And, sure, and, sure. And, and, you know, and until we have at this point now the, the marriage of the, the white prince and the mixed woman and, you yeah. know, all of that. And, 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 of course, amazing progress in terms yeah. of racial uh, integration and, and, yeah. and just particularly in the exteriors and the legal side of the street. Yeah. Our hearts and minds are lagging, but this is part of working on that, right? right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, there's a cynical lens. I, I have a good friend, African-American, and, and as much as he loved the whole experience, we, his uh, more cynical take on it was, um, if she had been a few shades darker, it might have been a different experience. Well, I think and that's there may true. Be truth I mean, to can it. we not say that? I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Actually, right. you know, Man, I God said, bless dude, them. She's beautiful, no matter how many shades of dark she is. By society's definition of beauty, she is gorgeous, and I think any shade she would have been accepted. Yeah. Uh, she gets into a different layer of oppression. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, at any rate, so the, this idea of yeah. reconciliation. And Absolutely. you're putting this in a global context of reconciliation right. projects that have happened in other places. And yes. why don't you help us with that? Yeah, and, and you, another phrase you'd hear, we often hear is um, uh, restorative justice or transformative yes. justice, yeah. Uh, I mean, South Africa was a beautiful model. We saw that come out of, uh, you know, the post-apartheid with Desmond Tutu and the reconciliation commissions. And if people don't know that story, essentially that either we're trading information you will tell us the truth for a reconciliation we will not punish you but you must come clean that's the pattern um there's something very so powerful. people who murdered somebody or were involved in some sort of violence yeah. or black you know, and social behavior right right that right. they got to confess yes uh and uh, in some public way without punishment correct and that sort of does sort of call forth forgiveness if you got it in you. Yes, yes. I was in South Africa on a, on a business conference, actually, but I, I couldn't help but ask a lot of questions about this when I was there, right? Um, and a young, he's just a young business guy coming up, and he works for a bank. But his earliest experiences from diapers forward were post-apartheid South Africa. And I saw the way he interacted. I know when when someone that's white 
has done the work. They've really got true black friendships, you know. He does, you know, and and I, I, I like he just describes when Mandela passed away, the love in that stadium, black and white. I mean, something was set in motion in South mm-hmm. Africa. That's probably going to carry them through what's going on right now with their existing political unrest. But there is a deep wellspring of trust. Right. Not everybody, but enough, enough. Yeah. And I think that comes out of those truth and reconciliation. Yeah, and that's also, again, when we could take a bigger view, we can see that this process is, you know, the pendulum does swing back and forth, right. but the clock itself moves, you right. know? And so we yeah. can see that, yeah, so the stadium was full of love. That's mm-hmm. a, from an integral perspective, a collective state experience. Right. States are temporary. But yep. they also peel away an onion skin that gets <laughs> us closer to that being stable. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, because we cut the groove. And right. so that's there, you know, that's not going away. And yet, and then, you know, it gets messy again. Uh, and yet the, it's, uh, you know, kind of a messy uh, fight forward. Absolutely. I, I'll give you one other example. I was in Argentina. Uh, my wife and I just took a little vacay. It was her birthday and she always wanted to go to Buenos Aires. And we had a great time, 10 days in Buenos Aires. Well, it turns out we landed there the day after Las Madres de los Desaparecidos, the mothers of the disappeared held a huge rally. Uh, if people don't know the, the story, just Google the dirty war of Argentina. And you'll know that in the 1970s, there was massive uh, assassinations, mostly of students, all left-wing target targeted at left-wing families. And many uh, just, they were dumped out of airplanes. They were you know, thrown into pits. I mean, this was massive numbers of people disappeared. They think up between 10 and 30,000 people. Right, yeah. Um, the women today who are those mothers are the grandmothers, okay? And this country is still processing it, but the way they were doing it really struck me. It's done in the art. Um, in the street, there's a there's an image of the banner, the bandera that the women would wear. That's the iconic image of this movement. It was everywhere, spray painted everywhere. There are, um, there are conversations going on with younger people in their 30s, 40s that have grew up during after the dictatorship and realized they were adopted. So some of these kids, babies at least, the babies were brought into right-wing families. So the parents were killed, but the babies were adopted. Now there's a national blood bank where kids today, grown up, can can actually find out who were my real parents. And they discover their parents were killed and their adoptive parents were part of the killing. Now, those are two huge things to process, but they are going through that as a country and creating ways to help their fellow citizens through this. Now, that's several decades on from the dirty world, right? That's still getting processed. Well, and you're saying that with this Equal Justice Initiative behind this museum, that they have a similar kind of bottom-up strategy. Absolutely. Uh, And tell us about that. Some of that's being transferred here. Yeah, yeah, sure. And one of the ways it it starts bottom-up, all of these start with the word truth. It starts with information, or today's parlance, we call it data, right? Like, in other words, there was a spreadsheet. I remember the first time I saw this spreadsheet um, about 10, 15 years ago. It was being pulled together by academics and scholars that were studying this pattern of lynchings. But they had to compile these lists because the Tuskegee Institute had their list. The NAACP, which had tracked lynchings across the South in the late 1900s, 10s, the 20s, the 30s, they had theirs. They had to bring these together. Um, EJI inherited all that work. And it starts with this 
list of names. This is the data. This is the and the dates and the and the locations. So it's names, dates, and locations. When you look at that spreadsheet, I mean it's data, but these are these are families, and you picture each one as one of those public events that you described earlier, where whole communities would come out in a picnic-like atmosphere, which how they were often described. And there were many postcards that were taken. There were souvenirs. I mean, you don't find these often, but they do show up where body parts were taken mm -hmm. as souvenirs. And the pictures, the most- We're talking about these lynchings, right? yes. sometimes public burnings. Oh, they were always public. The very nature of it was yeah. to be public. Yeah. The one in Orlando, uh, July Perry in 1920 was clearly pulled through the black community as to make a statement. And in ours, in our case, November 3rd, it was the day after the election. And no, this is, this is, I mean, this is sort of generic red, actually. Right. You yeah. know, you have it public is. executions. The idea is terror. You drag the body through the streets or hang it from the lamppost or right. from the as bridge. As red as it can get, right, in every sense of the word. Um, so yeah, it's public. And, and in the case of July Perry, there was a sign that hung, uh, according to the Chicago Defender, the black newspaper at the time, which didn't have a reporter on the scene, but th this sounds plausible. This is what we do to inwards who vote. Okay. So whether it's economic, you're getting out of line economically or elect, you know, politically, there is a place, there is a limit what, mm -hmm. what people were allowed to do. And um, so these, the, the images that most alarm, that scare me or just leave me haunted where are the ones with the kids where you look at a postcard of a lynching and you see the kids in these photos who are clearly there by their brought there look johnny look look at this and there's a very tortured smile on their face and when you go back to what we've inherited and what kind of collective trauma has been passed down or in some way inherited this karma mm -hmm. i i feel it i relate to it on some level as a white person um black folks feel it the way this work started for me locally, maybe this will just <clears throat> crystallize it. <clears throat> I have a re really good friend. He's African-American. Um, and I was involved in some dialogues around racism in a Unitarian Universalist church. Very good folks, good conversations. Um, but didn't know a lot about our local history. Had no idea there was something, the Okoe massacre, that, that this had happened here, right? Just didn't know about it. Um, so this good friend of mine had a great voice. He had a really a radio voice and, and I had a friend in radio and I said, Otis, man, you really need to, this is your break. So I connected him with my friend who was in the station. Otis went there one time, maybe twice, and he never went back. And I thought at the time, you know, well, I'd do a favor for a friend. Well, what is that? Why didn't he go? I mean, it was like, I'm putting it on him. I extended myself to help this guy out. And what did he do? Well, it took me a year or two later to where in that dialogue and racism, someone, a black and a different person, black person in our community came and said, well, what about the Okoe massacre? And all these white folks look around like, what are you talking about? We know Okoe, it's a subdivision of Orlando. It's about 10 miles west of us. What are you talking about? Oh, you don't know? And that prompted me to dig in. And then I went back to Otis and he said, you know, Curtis, that was, was a pretty intimidating place. The sheriff followed me in. And this is in, this is now talking about mid 1990s. Okay. Uh, I, I felt very watched. I was there at midnight and they followed me out of town. And when I heard other African Americans telling me this story, what was it like to grow up in Orlando? And they said, we never drove through Ocoee at night. Why? Well, we just knew, we just knew that's not what you did. Right. And this was in the eighties, the nineties. Right. So then it just hit me like, wow, this is, 
what this is a classic liberal move. You know, I've gone out of my way to help a friend and not realizing the import of what I was sending him into. Yeah. 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 So no, it's really me very personally at that point. Well, that it, and that's always an a, a, a integral practice in a sense is to, as best you can, <laughs> get behind the eyes of another person. Yeah. You know, get in their skin yeah. and feel what it is to be them. Yeah. We could do that. That's actually, you know, God helps us when we have good <laughs> intentions and we learn things yeah. and we see things. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, so, you know, there's the, the clear difference between what goes on in Argentina, where these are people who are actually involved or, or, or certainly in, you know, more yeah. recent uh, events. And, and, and what we're talking about in terms of the lynchings and slavery, certainly it's five, six generations ago. Or yeah, what? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. but what what are the continued karmic, um, you know, expressions? Mm -hmm. The way the way I find the work really beautiful and expressed is there was a project in Duluth. Um, you can look into it. The Clayton Jackson McGee Memorial. So these memorial EJI to, to be clear was not the first to do this. They have really taken it to a whole new level, to a national level. This work has been going on in little pockets, our little work in Ocoee, and there was a gathering of, of these small groups in the early 2000s where we started to meet each other. And at the time I met the Duluth folks uh, and saw the way they had taken three men who were lynched around the same time, 1920, 21, 22. Um, they said, you know, there was 1,000 people that came out to that lynching. There will be 1,000 Duluth citizens or, or at least or more. They had more turnout to march in honor of these men and they built a civic space and it's gorgeous today it's the farmer's market it's you know it's where you might come after the charlottesville thing and trump says something abhorrent and people rally there right this is a very powerful civic space but very small in mean, space of a house um but what was said the day that they had that march and they unveiled pulled you know the the, the veil off of this beautiful design civic space one of the i think it was the grandson of one of the perpetrators He's a scholar, he's a professor today of English or history, speaking, embodying the past and embodying the ancestors and saying, this is my commitment, right? It's like trying to clear something. You feel this, it's palpable. And we're all speaking for people who have long gone. You're right, they're long gone. But there's something waiting to be said. That's what's happening here. And the black Hallelujah. folks in this room say it too. They, my friend Josie talks about the ancestors and it's very powerful. Can I show you a picture of Josie? She wanted to be on this interview, but I said, you know, I think it was just gonna be you and I, but I'd love to bring her 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 face into this sure, and you bet. her energy. Yeah. Let me show you just a, a couple images I took from the uh, my trip up to Montgomery. Um, this is the very opening. And I think folks should know Brian Stevenson is the executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative. Uh, Jesse Jackson was sitting right in front of me. So you see. Oh, I see the back of his head. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, at one point, they described this event as the, civil, the royalty of the civil rights movement. I mean, everybody, if there was anyone, was in at this event. It was a, really quite a celebratory atmosphere. Um, let me jump past. Oh, let me. Do, I wanted to share the way the, the way it ended, and this is what's beautiful too. Why it felt integral in another way, weaving arts, weaving music, 
um, love, celebration, right? So we're not going around, oh, oh God, there was 4,000 lynchings the whole week, right? Um, the concert called the Concert for Peace and Justice had all these great artists. Some folks may know John Baptiste, the, he's the guy that leads the band for the uh, David uh, the Colbert show, right? Um, we're all on stage. This is Josie. This is my friend, Josie Onifade. She's meeting there. We're just hanging out before the concert gets started. That's um, uh, Goodman. What a profile. My goodness, she looks like Cleopatra. <laughs> She's uh, just become a Yoruba priestess. So talk about someone integrating ancient traditions. And she's a sommelier here in Central Florida. <laughs> so we had, an last, <laughs> we had an event last night. And she just lit up the crowd. It was a business event. And I had her come pour wine. It was World Product Day, you know, for those who are curious. <laughs> you know, just, you know, uh, Josie just lit up the crowd. And she is, uh, this is the energy of this concert. And by the way, she's talking to the brother of, I think it was Goodman, you know, Schwerner, Cheney, and Goodman of the three that were killed in the 60s, right? It was right around the time of the Matil. <clears throat> That's their surviving brother. Hmm. So the kind of folks are, there's Josie. So... Um, this is the, this was the fun, the, the atmosphere, uh, my friend, Francis. for those of you who are listening, this is a big concert, a big party. Everybody's happy. Everybody's dressed up. It's this is the capper. This is the capper event of two days of talking about lynchings. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but talking about the, the power of the work, what the, the power of this reconciliation energy, what we can do with it. And, and the woman in the middle is my good friend, Francina, co-founder of the Democracy Forum, the group that we started to do that work on the Okoye Massacre. Um, and you know, uh, the woman that runs the African-American History Center in Orlando, her name is Barbara Chandler. So this is the, the vibe, if you will. Um, and it closed, just imagine this, it was a cameo of Stevie Wonder they brought out on stage at the end of the show. And you could heard it. You'd heard a pin drop. There were ten thousand, maybe fifteen thousand people in the audience, and just when Stevie said, "I dare, I dare you to atone, to take a year and atone," and, you know, and then he went in to superstition. He played. Uh, it was just um, we were already um, on cloud nine. No, this, you know, this is the friends in the movement. You know. Um, this is what it looks like. It's not solemn work. I don't want people to get the impression this is really oh, dredging up the past. And, and a lot of people fear it for that. They don't want to. Well, a lot of people fear it because they don't know what to do. You know, right. they don't feel like they're uh, responsible, you know, and, and you know, this is where a lot of white people are. You know, it's where I have been. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, when we talk about atonement, uh, I've often heard that described as at one you know, the idea yeah. of actually be with the whole or be with another person. Yeah. And, um, and, and that seems to me to be the key to the city here is yeah. that um, we want, you know, there's really not much we could do about what happened. But right. what we can do is really see into how it continues to be alive. Yeah, yeah. And we can see into the eyes of each other. And just, you know, again, I, I've said this before, but it's so powerful to me. It's one of the teachings I got from Chogam Trumpa, my one of the uh, Buddhist Tibetan masters who I studied at Naropa. And, and, and he, he would say that if you 
deeply see in to another human being, there's only one appropriate response. Mm. And that is, oh. Yeah. You know, it's just hard to be human. I mean, everybody has the story. These karmas are alive in all of us. Right. And, um, you know, if we we want to get Buddhist and technical again, (laughs) the, the, you know, the way you burn karma is by actually allowing it to go through you. And yeah. dropping resistance to it. Right. That you do that moment by moment. Yes. And and person by person and experience yeah. by experience. And thereby doing God's work. Yeah, there's a there's an author I'm really starting to get into, Adrian Marie Brown. Is written a book called Emergent Strategy, and she's talking about Hey I, Curtis, I, I, why don't you it. unshare so we could see each other better? Yeah, absolutely. She's talking about she calls the book Emergent Strategy. No, who is this again? Um, Adrienne Marie Brown, uh, the author of Emergent Strategy, um, she's talking about what I would call integral activism. Um, you know, we've inherited a, an approach, I guess, I've been involved in social justice movements most of my life, and there's been a kind of top-down approach to a lot of it. But the power and the creativity is at the bottom. And, and, I, and I see EJI doing this. I mean, they've created a structure. This is a framework for holding the conversation. They got the data to go back to how these things unfold. They pulled all this information together, the funding to physicalize it, because this was not cheap, to create the no. museum and the memorial through lots of private contributions. Um, and then to set up this very clever approach to say, each county does the work, but they haven't prescribed how we go about doing the work. So the Memphis folks have the Memphis lynching project, and they're creating their own approach to it. The folks in Duluth did theirs, and we're, we're evolving ours. And so there's so much freedom at the grassroots level to do the work the way it makes sense for us. So in July and July 11th, we're going to have a community visioning here. We're inviting huge, um, a wide, diverse array of folks, pastors, judges, lawyers, teachers, students, right? Not just activists. We're inviting the whole community to the table. We're using the EJI framework to bring this, and we're going to show some of these images, right, from Montgomery. And the question we'll ask is, what are we ready to do? And what does it mean when we're ready? What does it mean when we've done the work and we can bring that column home, right? Right on, And the other piece that EJI does is they provide historic markers. So, They'll, they will put soon enough, probably in the next six months, we'll have markers in the ground, which at least say it happened here. And it's a brass, beautifully wrought marker with the appropriate writing. And we want to know Coe, and there'd be one in downtown Orlando, but that's just the start. They also have a process of taking soil from the ground where the lynching happened. They're put in the jars and they're given back to Montgomery where there was a collection of this earth. There's an embodied quality to this. This is where it's feeling very interior as well as exterior. You know, this is where it takes you inside the work. And and then they're saying, now you're gonna meet people locally that are different and coming from different places and you're gonna have conflicts and you're gonna work that shit out and you're gonna do this work. And when, when you've done it, you're gonna bring that marker, that final marker home. Imagine that happening across thousands of counties in the southern United States. It's, it's, right? it's, it's, it's going to take a while, but that's what's being said in no, motion. It's a beautiful right. yeah. you know, piece of the puzzle here. Right, you right. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, I, I, it just, I have to say that it's, um, 
you know, from a developmental view, uh, one of the markers of postmodern as but integral as well it mm-hmm. gets, is just this idea of turning towards pain. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead of away. Right. And so we don't want to explain it away. We don't want to justify. We don't want to, you know, have a drink. We want to actually yes. experience it. And all that, all it wants is to be experienced and seen you know, and felt. You're and, correct. This is, you know, we talk about Absolutely. We talk about spiritual bypassing. And there's a way to bypass in this work, too. There are shortcuts. and. We're not taking. Okay? <laughs> you can't skip stages, Curtis. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I love all the people I'm working with locally, but I'll be very honest. Some of them are very different places in the journey than I am. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's all right. I, I, I've been through this a couple iterations now with these local projects. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. Oh, man. I mean, working with other human beings. <laughs> Jeez, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll tell you, and part of it is, I guess, is there's just so much online now. There's so so many people that are resonating with so many different things and have so many different experiences. Everybody's got a microphone and everybody wants to be heard and everybody ought to be heard. And Jesus, Lord, it makes me not want to never leave the house. Right. Makes you want to stay home and do podcasts. (laughs) Exactly. From the safety of my end meeting button. (laughs) Yeah, this invites us stepping into that danger place, right? And it's it's risk, but it's, God, it's high reward. It really is. Yeah. I would love, Jeff, if you could come to Orlando either maybe July 11th or maybe a few months or a year down the road. Report live from where we, I, I just think we're going to be in a different place in a year or two. And you're talking Orlando now, so you're not talking the memorial, you're talking your own county. Yes, I would love for you to come experience the work here and see what's going on. And well, I, or maybe do a little digging of your own. I would encourage you, you know, it's not just the southern United States where lynchings happen, okay? Um, Duluth, Minnesota, Utah, who knows what you'll find in Colorado. And if not a lynching, there's a there's a story there. There's a place for this community. You're, I, I think you're Boulder, right? Is that where you are? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a place for a community conversation to own something that has been occluded or hidden for a long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah these well, projects right on. are there. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the invitation and I have to consider if it requires me leaving my house. But we'll, 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 I appreciate the invitation. Uh, Curtis, thank you, man. Yeah. What a great well, download. And I really appreciate, first of all, you. And, you know, you, you could just feel the you know, passion and the chi, you know, the life force uh, there, it's happening. That, that's coming out in yeah. this and, you know, in this beautiful way and in this, this area that really calls for, you know, we're working in the interiors here now, folks. We, we got the laws, whatever, you know, yeah. but the hearts, our hearts, our minds, our guts, our hands. Uh, that's where we're working now. And, the second uh, you're doing, Absolutely. You're doing beautiful yeah. work there, Curtis. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Check out the uh, uh, the piece. What is it again? Oh, Lord. Okay, let's give due credit. Uh, the Equal Justice Initiative based in Montgomery, Alabama. I really encourage folks, just go to Montgomery and check this out. I yeah. mean, it's already a city rich with the history of the civil rights movement. Think of the Montgomery bus boycott, Rosa Parks. It's mm-hmm. all there. Yeah. And then 
When you see EJI's offices and you realize that the marker right in front of their office says former slave warehouse, they've taken over that space and created the Equal Justice Initiative. That's great. It's so good. I mean, this is the future of uh, human relations. And uh, uh, they're, they're on it and we're all part of this. So go yeah. to Montgomery, check it out and uh, tune in in another year or two. All right. Well, God bless us all. And God bless you, Curtis Michelson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time on The Daily Evolver. Take care.